You are about to enter the create unknown, and hopefully you come out of this a little bit stupider, which will actually make you smarter. If you saw the most recent Vsauce 2 video, you know exactly what I mean. So make sure to follow us over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. It's free to follow. We're almost done with a new website, and we have some non-podcast content on the way. Don't forget that 100% of Patreon goes to producing this show and back into the TCU community. Except for what Kevin spends on old Sony Discman. Listen to the whole episode to find out why. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. The link's in the description. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, as Matthew Tabor. Joining us today, especially though from Canada, is Johnny Millennium, aka the Happy Console Gamer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And it's pretty funny. The borders are closed, but we can still communicate. Isn't that so amazing? Yes. Thank. Thanks to technology. And <laughs> yeah. does that um, mean this is illegal? We're breaking the law right now by illegally crossing borders <laughs> with our voices. I know. I don't know if there's a law about that. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I'm wearing a mask. I hope you guys are wearing masks as well, so nothing gets transmitted. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, this is really exciting for me because you and I have known each other for. At this point, it's kind of a scary. Yes. long time, it's right? Twen- I mean, how long is it? It is 20 years. And that's a straight... 20 years? 20 years, yeah, yeah. Because we, we met in a video game forum like 20 years ago, trying to find some information about certain video games. And then we ended up talking. And then I think you played Fantasy Star uh, with me back in the day. Were you on Fantasy Star Online back then? No, I was not in that group. No, no, no. Uh, I know that you had, uh, yeah, Fantasy Star Online group. Big time. You played like for like thousands of hours. Seven hundred and fifty right? hours, <laughs> something, something like that. I it was crazy because we were all part of a big group back then. So I kind of thought that we'd mingled that way, but I guess you didn't also uh, come on to that. But we did talk in the forums quite a bit. I did get to know you because there were some people who stood out a little bit more, and you were one of the high profile people that I definitely got to know there. Yeah, forums were a thing uh, for all of you uh, <laughs> yeah. children listening. That uh, like Explain before- <laughs> the forum to the fetuses in the audience. <laughs> before Discord existed, people used to talk to each other on forums. And it was a revelation to actually be able to talk to even just a handful of people that also liked games like Fantasy Star and even like Final Fantasy. You know, Final Fantasy VII Remake just came out. Mm-hmm. And it's huge. There are like commercials on TV and stuff. But back then, when we were playing it, it was like, you were a nerd. Yeah, I was about man. to say, it was the, ner- it was the nerdy <laughs> underground. And we we're like, oh my God, there's other people like me. I'm not alone. And <laughs> I always looked at the hobby, though. I never looked at it as a, a nerdy thing. I was like, why? why is playing video games and watching movies and anime and all this stuff? Why is that class as nerdy? I never said it was. And I've tried it on my show for years to never refer to it as nerdy because it's not. And now it's popular. Now it's cool to like all that stuff. Go figure. Strange. Now there's an entire class the kids of in people college. named Gamer. What's that? Yeah, go ahead. The kids in... 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, gamer is a thing, isn't it? People advocating for a gamer president. Look at how far your people have come. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really <laughs> strange over the years. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know wh- why it was ever classed as such a bad thing. Like, put it this way. Let me tell you a little story. I was telling somebody this like, a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, what? I remember in, like, 1988 going to a comic book convention in Canada, Vancouver here, uh, my dad drove me there, you know, because I was a young kid. And I remember waiting in the lineup, and it's just stinky, sweaty guys everywhere. And I remember <laughs> I got into the convention, and I was so blown away. There was this one guy walking with a girl. I'm not kidding. And it was such a shocking <laughs> thing that I was like, oh, my God, he's with a girl. Like, this, how did he get her here to come here? I'm like, I want to find a girl who does this. And it was shocking to see that. But there's no, nowadays it's cosplay. And it's like, there's more girls at these conventions than guys, which is great. But it wasn't always like that. And I, it's so neat that it, it, it kind of switched. But in a way, I kind of missed the old days in a way as well. Um, not for the conventions and no women around, but for <laughs> that it was a very special time. And it was kind of like the, our little secrets. And now it's everybody's secret. So it's not a secret anymore. You know, so... You probably witnessed like a human trafficking situation and didn't even know <laughs> when you saw her. I mean, she was probably a hostage of some sort. And she had those, like, please help me eyes, you know, going on. <laughs> Too funny. As someone is making her paw through like Akira laser discs or whatever. And well, that was, the t- that was the time when uh, Akira came out. It was like the Marvel comic uh, adaption came out, uh, the colored version. Uh, which was like, we were happy to get that. People would be screaming now. People would be going crazy now. Yeah, it's funny, but back then everybody got along. Everybody got along in the nerd communities. I'll call them nerd communities for the sake of our argument there. But now everybody's mad about everything. Everybody's always angry about stuff. And I granted, there's some reasons to be, but I always find I put out a video and everybody's always arguing. And I was, I'm always like, oh man, I don't care if anybody doesn't like the video. They don't like me personally, but they're always arguing with each other. It's so funny, but it's the passion. Like the world can come to an end, but people will always be arguing about video games till the end of time. It's one of those <laughs> things, you know, it was, it was kind of there in the eighties, but it's really with social media. It's, it's unbelievable now. It's nuts. Do you remember a big argument like that from the eighties? Like what's the earliest proper oh. argument in that community that you can recall. Oh my God. So there must have been something. Holy cow. That's a that's a, a crazy question. I you know what? I think I think when they were taking Star Trek and making the next generation, that was like, oh I I was the biggest person. I would have been on a on social media now going, it's gonna fail. I was like, it's gonna fail. It's gonna be terrible. <laughs> and I watched the first episode and it was horrible and and I watched a bunch more and it wasn't very good. And then it slowly got better. And then, then you know, uh, but nowadays people, Star Trek, Picard, everybody's going crazy about that. And I have my own issues with it. So, uh, but that's the earliest that I can probably think of. Is there anything that you guys can think of? Like, refresh my brain here a bit. Star Trek versus Star Wars was yes. the, the earliest yeah. thing I could think of as like an argument between classes of nerds. Right. It's like hardcore Trekkies versus like the hardcore star wars fans but but other than that i don't know i just want to pull back a little bit sure in case anybody listening can't tell johnny is an og oh, when geez. it comes to all of this stuff and not just an og of like this like gaming and anime but of youtube as well i mean i i looked it up today and do you know you're coming up on your 12th YouTube anniversary. Trust this, like like next week. Yeah, I, I trust me. I, I feel it in my bones. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Um, but you started, you did uh, Jerry Bloop back in the day. What, what year was that? It was, it was around the same era. And that yeah. was kind of like one of, one of the things that I felt like you and I bonded on even further right. is that we both started doing YouTube kind of at the same time when not a lot of people were. And I've never asked you this before, but the name Happy Console Gamer. Yes. Was that directly to combat angry video game nerd and irate gamer, which it seemed like those were the popular gaming YouTube channels of that era. Yes, it's, it wasn't to combat, to use that word for say, but it was like, they're the, the angry video game nerd. And I was like, they're, like, these guys were angry about video games. They were all upset. And I knew that there, there was a shtick and they were doing quite well with it. I thought, man, I just want to talk about video games that I love. And I honestly, and I've said this a lot, is that it was a time period when I thought a lot of video games were going to be forgotten about, that people weren't talking about them, and like Fancy Star was just disappearing. Ease was disappearing. And I thought, I really like these games, and even Earthbound, a lot, a lot of people were talking about Earthbound at that time. There was like, they ended up becoming one or two videos later on, but, uh, or even the Neo Geo. I had the very first Neo Geo video up, ever up on YouTube. It, it's crazy to think about, but I thought, if I don't talk about these games, they're going to be forgotten about. And that's going to be it. I'm like, and I didn't want to come in front of the camera. That was the last thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to see somebody else's videos and all this stuff. And when I realized that they didn't, they didn't exist, I thought, well, maybe I have to make the videos. And I hated it at first. I it was it was really tough for me to get in front of that camera and talk. And because I was a smoker at the time, I was very thin, very insecure at looking at the camera. I didn't like it, doing any of that kind of stuff. And I I slowly it took about twelve years. But I slowly got, I think I'd like to say a little bit better, a little bit, but, um, but it was very, I thought it was important to do that because, uh, AVGN and all them were doing their own thing. And I was like, and I thought, well, if I can, um, you know, get an audience, a small audience, even from doing my stuff, that would be super great. So that's how I started. Yeah. And that, it, I can't believe you had the first Neo Geo video ever on YouTube. That's really crazy. But it, I'm glad that you went down that path because that was the other thing I was going to ask is that it seemed like a kind of a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. The types of videos that you were making were were actually positive and celebrating games. Right. And they still do. I mean, I remember recently DMing you complaining. Well, I was complaining about Days Gone oh, yeah. to you being all, all janky. And you're like, what? What's janky about it? <laughs> Like, but you have like the most positive outlook on things of anybody on in like the gaming well, well, okay. community. I, I got to explain something here because I think I I need to explain it more on my own show. But I um I only review and talk about games that I enjoy. I don't like sometimes I'll do a games I hate episode, but that's a special episode for that. But like when I go to review Final Fantasy VII, I have a small inkling that I might be a fan of it because I love the original so much. And I just played the latest one and I really enjoyed it. And I know there's a lot of things that a lot of people have problems with. And I totally get what they have problems with. But I, is this the same for you guys? It's got to be. When I was younger, I would play a video game for escape because it was, it was fun. It was an entertaining thing. And I, uh, even if I had some issues with it, I'd look past it because it was fun. And so I've kind of always had that mentality, uh, unless a game is broken, unless it's Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, when I was playing that game, I could not get with the program. I was like, no, no, there's some good things here. I'm like, no, this is really, really, and it got me mad because it was so, it was so broken. I was like, I was seeing things happen, like fabric was floating uh, sideways for no reason. I was like... 
oh no, no, that, that's unacceptable. But um, I don't give games free passes. Like, if you actually watch my Final Fantasy VII video, and I'm sure you won't until you're finished, finish it yourself, um, but I talk about a lot of the negative aspects of it, but I do it in such a way that nobody can even, it's not like going, this game sucks because of this. I was going, yeah, this is one of the problems I had was this, but, but to this, to this, to this. And it's so slight that, uh, but I do bring it up. I just, it, I'm just not really angry about it because I don't know what the point of being angry about it is. It's, it's, it's a problem I had. So what? I'm not mad, super mad about it. Like, let's get real. It's a video game. I'm, I'm like, it's, I it's fun. I want to highlight something you said so it doesn't get lost. You said that you went to look for videos about a certain topic that you were interested in. They weren't there, so you decided to make them. Right. That's something that, it, like, I talked to so many people who were like, oh, I want to start a podcast, I want to do a video, but I don't know what to do. And it's a valid path to think, what do I wish I could see that I can't find? Right. And then, well, you do that thing, right? So that that's a, a cool thing, and I think a lot of really good... Uh, projects come out of that mindset. But as you guys are talking about old video games and uh, some of the newer ones and how you feel about them, I'm recently getting into back into video games. So I played just Atari and NES in the 80s. Then I stopped and I haven't played a game until or I hadn't played a game until I got a PS4 a month ago. Wow. Okay. So I have this tremendous gap, but I obviously know people like Kevin who uh, play a lot of games. So I hear a lot. Right. And one of the things that's so weird to me right now is that I have expectations when I, when I purchase a game, because I can see a review on YouTube, I can read articles, I can look at ratings on things. And I remember with an NES game, like at best, there was like a page in Nintendo Power that, that uh, advertised a game and had a couple screenshots from it. And so I was a lot happier with the game. I didn't real I didn't recognize those flaws. I didn't even know about them because I was coming into the games fresh and it just seemed like the way it was. And now I'll get something kind of going into it, knowing that like, you know, the combat system is flawed. Uh, the UI isn't intuitive, you know, whatever. I, I, I never knew that stuff before. Now I do. And do you think that changes the feeling of playing a new game? Uh, Kevin, you want to answer that? Um, I, it depends on the game and how much expectations I set for myself on it. Like with Final Fantasy VII Remake, Johnny, you're right. Like I have avoided everything about that Good. because I want that pristine, like one of a kind, starting fresh experience. I don't want to know things about it. I don't want spoilers. I've done a really good job at that. Other games where I'm on the fence about them, I will kind of dig into videos and reviews and and stuff like that because games are expensive and especially mm -hmm. it's an expensive hobby if you're buying like a game like every time i finish a game i start another one <laughs> that ends up being like a lot a lot of games so to answer your question um yes and also i remember vividly as a kid going to toys r us and picking out nes games strictly because i thought the box art was cool and that was yeah. all you had to go on. It was like, oh, Mystic Defender. This looks cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, or Legacy of the Wizard. That sounds awesome. Actually, that game really sucks. And there's no way to know until you got home and played it. And the funny thing is, back then, you'd bring a game home, 
and it would suck, but you'd play it, you'd get as much out of it as you could, because that was the only game you, you were getting for probably three, four, five months. I mean, unless you board yep. your swap games with your friends. I play games that were horrible to try to get something out of them. Maybe that's why I have a positive outlook in gaming in a lot of ways uh, type of thing. And, you know, it, it brings up a really interesting point, though. So that's why I like to uh, review games, because I like to play them before I hear any negative stuff to ruin it for me so I can go in fresh, as you said. So, like, a great example of that is uh, Resident Evil 3, um, the the remake on the PS4. I got sent a review code, and I, I went through the game. Uh, I just did some first thoughts on it, and I really liked it. And the one thing that I always do, anything I'm sent a review code for, I'll always go and buy the game. But it was interesting to see in the comments section where everybody's coming at things from such a different uh, vantage point, uh, the, the entry point, I should say. Uh, so me, myself, why did I like the game? Because I'm a fan of Resident Evil 3 from so many years ago, uh, nearly 20 years ago. And I was going to buy the game no matter what, because I'm a big Resident Evil fan. I'm, I'm a hardcore, I guess, I guess I'm hardcore, but there's a lot of people saying, wait, you can finish the game that fast. I'm not buying that for $60. Their point is super valid. So everybody's coming from things um, you know, making a lot of sense. So, like, when I say everybody's arguing a lot, they're usually arguing a lot of very good points, but it, but there's so much arguing, right? It's like, yeah, like, why should I buy that game when I can, uh, you know, I want to get a 20, a 25-hour experience out of it. I'm not spending $60 on that. That's valid. That's totally valid. So, yeah, it, it's interesting how things have changed where reviews can make a difference as well. If you hear a game's three hours, you're like, oh, no, I'm out. But if our hardcore fans are into it, they're, they're going to buy it. So it's interesting to see um, where everybody's coming from as a consumer, I guess. I want to say, yeah. And for those, you know, who have listened to our podcast for a while, you know, one of the things that we, I think we talked about recently is just sometimes it's not a good idea to follow your passion when it, when it comes to YouTube or kind of when it comes hmm. to like trying to make a career. At, at least for me, I mentioned in my instance, you know, I had an opportunity to do Vsauce three instead of Vsauce two and Vsauce three was going to be about video games. Mm. And that's where I started on YouTube, but I made a conscious decision not to go down that path because I wanted to separate what I was doing all the time on YouTube from what I was doing when I'm not on YouTube to decompress from that, which is play video games. So I'm fascinated to know how that has worked out for you to dive so headfirst into your passion and also kind of like merge that with your job and your career and what you think about all the time and, and wor are working on all the time. It, it, it's, it's interesting. I, the number one thing that I strive to have is passion is to have not lose the passion in it. And I can't, it's impossible. I'm 46 years old and I still love this stuff. Like I did when I was 14. So I try to do three things when I do a video. First of all is number one, please myself play a game that I enjoy and really enjoy that experience or try to enjoy it, uh, create a video that I think people would want to watch and do some editing that people would semi-enjoy and think and also do a video that's going to reach a lot of people, you know, type of thing. I've done about a thousand videos, so I've, I've covered myself, so I want to have a video that does, does well uh, type of thing. Uh, so I try to do all of those things, but I don't, you know, I, I'm very particular about what I play. I don't review Call of Duty games. I don't do that because I, I can't bring anything to that. That's irrelevant for me to do. There's a lot. I don't play Assassin's Creed games because 
I'm not really a big fan, but I know a lot of people love it. I'm not the guy to do that. So I, I think what it is, I pick and choose very meticulously what I'm going to do. I actually, next to me, have a, a list for every month of the games that are coming out that I'm interested in. Not just every game, only the ones I'm interested in. So for this month, it's very, very simple. It's like four games. You know, uh, Tri Trials of Mana, um, was it, it was Resident Evil 3, Final Fantasy 7, and I think, oh, there was one game I thought was this month. It's, it's for May. But uh, so it's about three games. That Those are the games I've been interested in for the month. So just picking and choosing, you know, type of thing. I, like, I, I don't get burnt out, though. I don't get, I don't go, oh, no, video games. I'll tell you, though, where I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Like, I, I, I escape into video games, not away from them. But I tell you, the one thing that does burn me out is playing games in a very tight review window. So I got the review code for Final Fantasy VII on a Thursday, and I was finished it on Saturday. And it was, and I, I, that was tw a 24 hour playthrough, bare bones. No, I did a few quests uh, and all that. And I, I did play on uh, classic mode, which is, uh, is, is easier. I'm not saying it wasn't, I'm not trying to say it wasn't, uh, but, uh, I needed to. I needed to the core game to see what it was all about, uh, and all of that. So that that burnt me out. I was near the end of the game, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I'm dying." This is like I my eyes are going square, or you know, it was it was really a little bit tough on that. So some of those can really kill me. I remember Fire Emblem was another one that did that to me. Uh, you know, that that killed me uh, doing that one. And my wife was away in uh, Italy at the time, and I was just me. And I was just like, like, I was just doing like 14, 15 hour days playing it. It was, it was pretty tough. Yeah. But hey, I am not complaining. I'm playing a video game early. I'm not <laughs> complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. But I, I take it seriously to, to really, uh, to get through the stuff and to really give an honest impression. And I always give an honest impression. You know, but I'm playing Fire Emblem. I love Fire Emblem. And it's a great Fire Emblem game type of thing. So, yeah, so yeah, that's that's how I kind of kind of do all of that stuff. Well, that's what I've, I've always wondered. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt. I've always just wondered about reviewers in general. Is like, does it suck the joy out of the thing that you love to have to look at it um, with a critical lens? And, and I, I don't know. That's what... I mean, I don't know, Matt, if you have any thoughts on that just in general. Well, there's a parallel uh, here with, with people reading books. And uh, you you talk to people about, you know, something, uh, they'll post on Facebook or whatever, like, oh, I, I really enjoyed this book, whatever. It comes up in conversation way more than it did when we were 18 and younger uh, or like during college or anything like that. There's a big, big difference between doing something on your own time, even if it's the same book. Uh, somebody who went to, uh, to school with Kevin and I posted about this uh, a while ago, a book that they were assigned in 10th grade. And I forget which one, but it was uh, a classic, um, uh, like For Whom the Bell Tolls or something like that. And they enjoyed it. And it was like, oh, I hated this when I was... Uh, when I was 16, but I really like it now. Well, things are different, uh, you know, personally and with interests and all that stuff for sure. But at the same time, there's a huge difference between 
uh, reading something on your own time and doing it because you have to write a report on it by Thursday or you've got to get this chapter done by Friday. And the same thing can have a very different feel when that deadline is imposed. And I, and I, I feel like that's, uh, Johnny, a lot, uh, a lot, you know, that's pretty similar to what you're saying uh, where, man, it sucks when you've got to play a game on a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> or at least if it doesn't suck, it, it, it alters the mood around doing that. You thing. brought up a really interesting point as well that um, – reading a book when somebody was younger and then them coming back to it when they're older, how that changes. And that's actually with video games too. I played some NES games in the last year that were super hard when I was younger. Even when I was 14 years old, I thought I was pretty good at playing video games. I am way better at them now than I was then. Like Ninja Gaiden, for instance. I'm way better at Ninja Gaiden now than I was back then. And I had nothing but time to play Ninja Gaiden. I think I got frustrated and it's like, oh no, we're now, maybe I have more patience now. I don't know. It's really strange, but it's interesting how the product remains the same, but the humans change through time and how we how we look at it. Like, especially like talking about that book, how that book, uh, like reading a book when you're like 12 years old and reading it when you're in your 40s, the different level of experience you have to take it in. So some some games, uh, there's only been a few that I've done, like Fantasy Star, which I love so much. I come back to reviewing that every five years because that's my favorite video game of all time. It gives me an excuse to, but I'm always able to add something different, more experience to why it was so good. And I've, I've gotten to the point where I've nearly been able to explain it, where sometimes because it's such a, it's hard to describe why you love something. You can say, oh, because graphics and this and, but it's also the time when it came out and what was the, that was like the best summer of my young life is before I met women and got corrupted by women. You know, I was just hanging with my nerdy friends <laughs> playing games. It was like a nice, innocent time. And uh, so that's why, and I've gotten close to explaining why it's that important to me. So yeah, it's kind of funny that how uh, reviewing changes in time. I, I should come back to some games in time because sometimes I review something and about five years later, I'm like, oh no, I don't think that anymore. Like it, it's kind of changed a little bit, you know, sometimes. A little bit. Maybe I, um, yeah, I, I stopped caring for the series and got bitter about it. I don't know, type of thing. But so it's Matt, I, I got to ask you a question. So you're just getting back into uh, video gaming. Where does one start? How wh- How's your journey gone? Like, what do you do? You get up in the morning and say, I'm yeah. going to read the newspaper to find out the latest video games. What do you do? <laughs> This it, this has been really interesting because for me, it's necessarily a totally social process with people I know and who know me. Right. So I started out by asking Kevin, what games do you think I would like? You know, here are some things that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, you know me like I, I I'm not into this certain class of games. Uh, just just give me some recommendations. And I did that with Kevin. Uh, I did that with uh, Many Kudos is a, a YouTuber from Australia who uh, has been really good with recommendations. A few others, and they've been they've been kind of spot on. Ben W, who produces this show, turned me on to uh, a really cool game called Tooth and Tail. Mm. Uh, which is, it's a lot of fun. It's in short little bursts because I don't have time for long gaming sessions, right? And so I love the fact that I can play like a little mission in Tooth and Tail. Uh, and if I have 20 minutes to play, that's completely valid. So it's been 
Yeah, it's really been about talking to people and then, uh, you know, poking around a little bit on reviews because I do want to get a sense of things like how long gameplay takes. Right. Uh, so that's been that's been pretty neat. And the other thing is that I want to play I want to play games uh, with my girlfriend. And so like Overcooked 2 is, was the first game that we got because that's just a fun couch co-op kind of game. Yeah. Uh, that was a recommendation, and it was an excellent one. So we've had a really good time. Has there that. been any bad recommendations? Where you're playing the game, you're like, "God damn you, Kevin! How would you recommend this?" <laughs> Not yet. Oh. Not yet. Uh, truly, I don't have. Uh, there haven't been any losers yet, but there also haven't been very many games. Right. Right. Uh, so you know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. The first game I actually played was The Last of Us. Oh wow! That came with the bundle with the system, and that was such a wake up call about what video games now are like versus, uh, you know, playing like Blades of Steel. Yes. Oh yes. Uh, so <laughs> it's, I, I must have. It's been. It, it was shocking. I'm, I'm very jealous. I mean, that's like. That's almost like, uh, oh my God, like a drug addict for like me, you know, into video games, walking into a store and there's nothing but drugs. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine not playing all of those games all those years. I and mean, I get to experience them all now. That's it. I'd be overload. It'd be, I'd, I'd be overdosing. You know, it'd be nuts. You'll watch those documentaries where somebody has been released from prison after like 35 years and they walk out and they have to learn what like the internet is and oh what an God. iPhone is and that there are 200 TV channels instead of four <laughs> and all of these crazy things they, they knew about from being in prison, but they, they had no real sense of it and hadn't experienced it. And that's how it feels for wow. me in video games. Now I'm tr I, like, I cannot get over the fact that there are so many buttons on this, controller. Oh, yes. you know, on the PS4 controller. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the fact there are sticks yeah. is the strangest thing to me. I cannot get over oh, that. Wow. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like a D pad and like a B and that's <laughs> where my mind stops. So it's been a real process and, you know, I'm easing into it, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's occasionally frustrating, but it's frustrating in a fun way, right? you know, like a challenging, like there hasn't been a thing where I, I'm just like, this is a wall that I've run my head into. I'm done. I haven't had that yet. That's absolutely uh, so it's been neat. Yeah. But everybody's extremely helpful. I mean, you guys know what this is like, where if you ask somebody to recommend video games or something like that, they're absolutely thrilled to do it. You know, nobody's like, oh, don't bother me with that question. Gatekeeping no, you. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I'm happy to answer, but unfortunately, I only have five or six hours today. Right. Uh, so it's been, <laughs> you know, it's been really kind of nice and fun and helpful and it's they're cool conversations so i enjoy that that's a lot. such an interesting journey for you i'm 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 very jealous of that very jealous of that <laughs> get to experience all these amazing games and, and there's too many for me already but i imagine i didn't play all the light games for the last 20 years and then it's boom mm -hmm. that's <laughs> wow yeah we've come a long way from two buttons that's for sure yeah. That's why when so should when, you sorry, be Matt, in what? like a medically induced coma on purpose <laughs> just so you can feel this twenty years from well, now? Freezes brain. Imagine, imagine <laughs> in twenty years you hadn't played a video game and then you did VR for the first time. Yeah, that'd be too much. That'd be too much. I I even talked about it in my Final Fantasy VII uh, remake. My first thoughts on it that it would be so crazy to take this game back in time to myself when I was twenty three years old. 
uh, which was 23 years ago, and said, here, play this game. And I have a high-definition TV. I, I mean, I, my brain in full, in full rendered 3D the way it is now, I would have, I, I even said, I said, I would have passed out. I would have, ah! couldn't, couldn't handle it. It would have been <laughs> unbelievable. And I'd be like, we're getting a remake in 23 years of my game that I'm playing right now. It's so amazing. And yeah, wait for another 23 years. What's going to happen? It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Some of the screenshots of just that opening scene where you, you where Cloud jumps off the train and he's like in the alleyway next to the train comparing then and now is so ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous, so ridiculous to see like what Cloud with his like nine polygons <laughs> like in, in 1997 or whatever compared to oh, yeah. you know, full HD it's, now. It's, 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 it's so it's, – and I think not sounding like uh, cheesy here or anything, but that's why I remain happy with video games is because – I was happy with what it was then with Final Fantasy VII. With Final Fantasy VII now, it's like, wow. And, and you know, the thing is, I always say, if anybody doesn't like the new one, well, you've got the old one there to go play if you don't like it. So it's like, you can't lose. Yeah. Are there, are there any games that you've gone back to uh, oh. and really had a hard time playing? Like, one thing that popped for me recently is Silent Hill 2. Mm. Like, I tried to play Silent Hill 2 because uh, I, I beat Neo 2 last week and I was waiting for Final Fantasy 7 to come out. So I was just going through some old games and I popped in Silent Hill 2. I played it for like an hour and I was just like, gosh, this is really slow. Yeah. Really slow. I, I'd have to pull out all, because like for that kind of stuff, I want to be pick the right answer. But there's a lot of PS2 games that I sometimes play. I'm like, ooh. I, I'd have to look at the shelf and look at... The only, only problem is, is most of the games on my shelf I, I, I really like. So... Um, yeah, there's a lot of older games that just don't hold up as well as they used to. And that's why I'd love to see uh, for, for games, I'm just looking at the shelf, like Parasite Eve is a, is, a, is a good game, but it needs an update. That game needs to be completely remade uh, and given the, yeah. the full treatment. I mean, that's something I would give anything for, give anything for. It's, it's showing its age. It's a classic, but it's showing its age, you know, a little bit. The combat and all that, it's very... It's very novel when you play games now. You're, oh, okay, yes. I like this. It's really yeah. old. Yeah, it's a little bit. For people listening here, since this is audio only, I, I need to tell you that as he was talking about this, Johnny turns around and looks at what, what seems to be about 71,000 <laughs> games behind him. Let you know, as he's thinking about what this is going to be, like pouring over. It's like uh, like Harry Potter going to like the library that's a million stories high. Well, let, let me tell you, a lot of people come over here uh, they're like, oh, I want to see the games room. And they come in and they're like, oh, it's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. It's not it's not a big room. It's just all the games are collected behind me. You know, and we're talking about a collection of mm-hmm. since I was 14 years old, like probably 1987 up, you know, like to now. Just buying these games because I enjoyed them and I liked them. So, yeah, it's like some people, It's isn't it weird why um, some people collect? Some people just go and buy an entire collection in one go. And I'm not into that. I mm-hmm. Every game behind me here, the one thing I can say, I like. Every game I like. I bought, I bought, That's and cool. I, I could tell you about every game on this shelf. Every single one. No matter what it is. You know? Um, all, I, every game. Do you have insurance on that, by the way? Because I always <laughs> wonder this with video game guys and people who have massive record collections as well. Uh, we have some people in the Discord who are really into vinyl. And I always wonder, at a certain point... Do you ensure this? Because what would happen if, you know, you had a fire in that room and 
lost the games. You You're going to learn something very, very interesting about me at this point. This is so wild. You'll not believe it. So you'll look at all the games behind me and you'll be like, oh, wow, he's a very materialistic guy. And, uh, no, you know, you, you, people can see that, like, uh, you know, just seeing how much st- uh, stuff I have. But I'll tell you this much. If it was all gone, I'd be okay. It's, it's, you wouldn't replace the collection no. or would you just start to rebuild no. again and say, well, I love this process. I that, so let's I say that was that, um, this stuff I bought as, as oh. I, uh, I, I bought these games as I played them over the years. I've, I've gone back and gotten some games that I bored, uh, you know, bored off friends of mine, uh, to, to own a copy for myself. Uh, but if I was to lose it all, so be it. I mean, I don't sound like cheesy here, but what's really important to me in life is my family and uh, and all of that. So if this stuff blows up in a fire, the wrath of God, he can have it. I mean, just take it. But uh, <laughs> the only one game, there's only one game, and that's my fantasy star, would I be upset about? Because that one game really means so much to me. I, I That's the one game that, yeah, if this place is on fire, I'd be like, reaching in, grabbing that. I'd be out. But uh, everything else can go because... I understand it's all materialistic more than anybody, and uh, I have it all because it's fun for me. But it's it doesn't define me as a human. And I think I do a show about video games that I like, and I think people are always like, "Man, he's just so into video games." And I, people don't really know me outside of that. You know, they don't see that mm-hmm. what I enjoy doing is like going and walking with my wife uh, in a forest. Well, when, when we could go out into forests, you know, because of the quarantine and stuff going on right now. But going for walks and going for dinners and stuff and having those kind of moments and uh, spending time with my friends not playing video games. Like one of my uh, friends, Rob, who's on the show whenever he can be these days. When we get together these days, we don't do episodes of the show. We have our time. Time for us. We will play video games, but we won't record it and we won't talk about it. It's just for us. So, yeah, some things are held back a little bit. So, But I think that's people don't seem to see that. I, I am doing a show. That, you know, people are like, oh, you know, shows on the internet. That they, I remember people thinking that uh, YouTube, when, you know, Kevin, for when we started, you're not doing a show. There's no such thing as a show on YouTube. That's silly. The shows are on TV. But I was like, no, this is a show. I'm producing this. I'm creating it. It's going up. And um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize that it is a show. You know, I'm producing for that. And. I'm really glad, Matt, that you brought up the video game wall because I wanted to ask about this earlier and I forgot. Everybody, almost, seemingly, that does YouTube Mm -hmm. gaming shows is doing it. Their set is (laughs) them in front of their gigantic wall of video games and, like, collectibles, okay? But since you have been here since the beginning, Mm -hmm. do you remember who the first person was to set up a camera in front of a video game wall? It was me. It actually, it was, it actually was me. And I'll tell you what happened. I was sitting here. I just quit smoking 2008. I'm setting up all the shelves. And I'm, I bought these two Mickey shelves from Ikea. And I took all my video games out of my closet because that's where video games are all over the place. You know how it was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, while I'm talking and doing the show, and I didn't know what, what the show was going to be, how I was going to do the show. But I'm like, I'm going to put all the video games behind me. And then I remember saying, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. People are going to laugh me off the internet when they see a grown man with video games behind me because it was so new. Like some people like AVGN had video games around, but he didn't have a shelf behind him. Not not quite. That stuff kind of came later. But for a guy sitting, 
here uh, with video games all around him. That had not been done ever. And I remember thinking it was the most embarrassing thing that I, I've ever done. And this is going to be, <laughs> this is nuts what I'm doing. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I'm like, people are going to just judge me so intensely on that. And then it's so funny. I'll get comments on videos. Some guy will come in and go, oh, you're just another guy who sits in front of his video game collection. I'm like, I am, I'm the guy who invented that, man. Get out of here. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. And the thing is, is I don't think anybody else has had a set that hasn't really changed in 12 years. We're in a brand new, a brand new universe of, um, with, with YouTube and stuff like that. Like people have seen me. I came onto the show. I was a smoker. I wore a bandana, lost that. Um, then all of a sudden started dating this girl. She came onto the show. She moved in. We got, you know, we got married and now we're having a kid. I mean, like this is, a, this is all over 12 years. People are seeing into people's lives now. It's so weird. And it's like, I'm going to be in my 60s doing this show. If people like it or not, they'll be like, oh, no, happy, you know, senile gamer. You know, he's doing it again. <laughs> and I'm like, you kids, and you got to play your ease before, you know, yeah. I'll be probably doing some gatekeeping at that point. Now you you got to play Easebooks 1 and 2, kids. You don't know nothing. Um, type of thing. But I, no, you'll be, you'll be the happy console grandpa. I, I, I will be. <laughs> and I'll be happy to take that role because I, I was younger and got a chance to do it in my early 30s all the way into my 60s. It's a brand new world we're living in, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's crazy with content. Like your podcast, you guys could do a 40-year podcast for crying out loud. Why not? Why not? You know, before you were limited by television and oh, no, you're canceled. Now, the only person who cancels you is yourself. That's it. Type of thing. So Yeah, that's the truth. Too though. fun. It is too fun. And it's amazing. It's with technology um, as good as it's gotten now. Look at what we're able to do. Like I would have well, loved to I, have done this when I was a kid, but I couldn't do that. Technology wasn't there. How, how? Oh God, we talked about that, Matt. We talked about so Matt and I were on the first podcast, mm. uh, which is a great podcast for if anybody's looking for podcast recommendations, check them out. But uh, we were interviewed by them, and I explicitly talked about that for a while about how. Before YouTube, and really like before you were able to, sh to create and share things easily online, mm. trying to do creative projects was awful. <laughs> it was yeah. like, let, let's go to an open mic at some garbage bar in the middle of nowhere that you have to like take the bus to and like maybe you'll get up on stage <laughs> for five minutes for like three people who are only there because they're also going to get up on stage for three minutes. You know what I'm yep. saying? Absolutely. It's, it's, well, basically even, oh my God, we're going to sound like old people now. Um, but before YouTube was around, I, I would just get together with my friends and we'd film funny videos to entertain ourselves. Because there was nothing to watch like that. We were making our own memes and funny things. And we still, to this day, me and my friends quote videos we did 23 years ago. We'll use lines from them all over the place. It's like, it's kind of like the ROG language. And our, and, our, and our humor, we made memes for ourselves because they didn't exist. And so when YouTube came around, I saw something. When I saw the angry video game nerd doing it, I thought, man, he's doing amazing. And I don't know how he's doing it. But I'm like, if I can kind of do a little bit, my own thing, this could be kind of cool. This could be kind of cool. And it's, it's, it's really, it has been cool. Overall, it's been incredible. And I, I got to say for all the comments over the years, it's renewed my faith in humanity. It has. You know, I, probably 99% of the comments I get are incredible people. 
they were just incredible people. And then there's, you know, there's the one percent, which is just funny. You know, it's just a weird percent I call it, and that's fine. But I, I mean, I put out a video where I said I was sick, and it got like ninety thousand views, which blew me away. And all these people wishing me well, I couldn't believe it, because I make a video game show on the internet. So it was really humbling and very nice. And let me tell you, there was like three or four thousand comments. I read the three first three thousand. I read three thousand comments. Because I was so sick, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could actually sit and go, I can't move. I'm reading all these comments. And I read them all. I was humbled by people. Have you, what's your experience been with um, commenters and things like that on, on your channel over the years? It's very similar to what you're saying. Yeah, it's very similar. It's mostly pretty positive. Um, it's a different thing doing educational content because a lot of the comments are people trying to correct mm. you. <laughs> yeah, um, yep. Like something that you said uh, was wrong or you mispronounced a word, you know, because it's not an opinion. You're delivering kind of information and facts rather than mm. editorializing a lot. Um, so it is it, everybody's kind of audience is different, I think, on YouTube, which is which is a good thing and, and a bad thing, depending on what mm. kind of content you're creating. But uh, before we get into questions that our, our community has for you, I want to talk more about you being sick. Oh, yeah. Because that was a big deal. Yeah. You were you were out. We were wiped out for two months with pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. And what did, what did you learn about mm. being a content creator who is unable to make content? It, it was, it's really weird because I went to San Francisco. Um, I saw the, you know, the Rise of Skywalker. And I was coming back on the plane and I was like tapping my chest. And I'm going, uh, uh. I'm like, I got a small cough. I'm like, that's really weird. And all of a sudden I felt really bad. And it's a long story short, came in. Uh, I had a fever for three days. I was just, I mean, I couldn't get off the couch. And I'm somebody who always sleeps in a bed. I don't sleep on couches. Doesn't happen. I was on the couch for three days. And then I was coughing my brains out for a good, a good month. And then I was like, I should really see a doctor because... A month is a long time to call. And I was. It was full on. And, and yeah. I was like, uh, I, I just was taking Tylenols and things like that. And I thought, I'm just going to get over it. And I wasn't getting over it. So I went to a doctor and he's like, what have you got? I said, I said, I think it's pneumonia. He's like, why do you think that? I said, because I, um, I've you know, been uh, like, uh, I had this terrible fever and I can't stop coughing. He's like, okay, here's some antibiotics. I took the antibiotics. Uh, I got through them. And then all of a sudden I had my friend Rob come over for my birthday. We tried to have a good time. I was very low energy. I was trying to be normal, but I wasn't. And it was kind of like kind of a real dull birthday because I, I felt, felt felt bad that I didn't entertain him. Um, that's, this is kind of mindset I am. I have. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I think I'm getting better. Then I got stupidly worse, like really worse. And all of a sudden, I couldn't lay on my side. I still, still to this day right now, can't lay on my back. Um, I, I couldn't breathe. So if I lay down now, it's very uncomfortable, but I can do it. I can fall asleep. But laying on my back, no breath at all. It's the strangest thing in the world. And so I went to, on my birthday, I went to the hospital. I know we had every test in the world done. And my lungs, my lungs were good. Didn't have the coronavirus. Did not have it. No, no, no. Don't have, I had a CT scan on my chest, all that. Um, and we had, we looked at a lot of stuff. So then they started sending me for specialty stuff for cardiology and for my lungs and all that. I was just getting to the to, to do all of those when all of a sudden uh, COVID-19 hits, all of them were canceled or pushed back to such a oh, date yeah. that it's months away that I can go in and get tested uh, yeah. more thoroughly 
for what I have. So you'll have to forgive me even throughout this entire podcast with you guys. I'm out of breath and I never am. It's very kind of um, like even I did my Final Fantasy VII review and I read a comment. And somebody's like, is this guy out of breath? And I'm like, man, it, it shows at times. It shows at times. It depends how I'm sitting, if I'm straight or what. Or if I'm standing up, I'm great. But anyways, sorry. It's been such a strange thing because I've been so ill for three and a half months and I'm still not right. You know, it seems to me that something happened. There was a really bad strain on pneumonia and, you know, stuff going around in in, in December time that uh, that just kind of really kicked my ass. And it kicked a lot of other people's asses. And then the world got sick. And it's been so weird. It's like so weird. But we won't get into all of the world and sick and all that. But uh, it was tough. It, was, it wasn't tough. Um, it was tough. Not All these games were coming out and I had no voice to talk about them. And I had no energy to play them. And it felt really frustrating. I, I know it sounds so dumb, but I, uh, I got invited to an early screening of Sonic uh, the Hedgehog, the movie. I was like, yes, but I was so sick. I couldn't go and see it. There's no way. And so I couldn't review the movie. And I couldn't review games that were coming out. Fancy Star Online came out and there was no, I'm like, I can't talk. I can't talk. I, it's taken me a lot of work to get back to where I'm at now. So sorry for that rant. It's just been weird. I've never been this sick in my whole life. I've been really, uh, knock on wood, a healthy guy. So it's it's been a very strange journey. Yeah. So sorry. That, there's my long answer in that one. Yeah. That reminds me of this, uh, of uh, a Roger Ebert article. You remember yes. he, he had, I, I think, a cancer of the jaw or something. Yeah, I felt, right? felt terrible for uh, him. And felt so bad for him. Yeah. 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 And he documented all of that, you know, until his death, right up to the, the very, very, very end. And one of the articles that he wrote that was mind blowing to me was about uh, about eating food, because once he had the surgery, he couldn't eat food the same way. And, it, and the gist of his article was, you'd think that I would miss all of the foods that I love to eat. I don't actually miss any of that. It just you think you wouldn't, you don't. But what he missed was sharing meals with people that he, it it hit him that when he wasn't eating uh, dinner with people, uh, it was that social element was taken out for him. And did that, did that come up for you at all where you kind of were taken away by physical force from the gaming community on this? Did that feel fun? It felt frustrating because I was taken away from what I love. So I was, my passion, mm-hmm. I couldn't do. Uh, and so like, this sounds, I'll give you a, a day in the life back then. I get up in the morning and it's Vancouver. It's dark outside. It's raining all day. This is like all through uh, January. I, 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 I feel like hell. And I go for a shower and I'm, oh, and I'm moaning and I'm, oh, and I'm coughing all day. And I have such anxiety because I couldn't breathe. And it was just like, and then I kept thinking and I kept going onto YouTube and watching all of my friends who were healthy. And I was so jealous, not because of their success, but because they were having fun. They were enjoying themselves and having, you know, this great amount of uh, entertainment that we all celebrate, which is video games. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I was like, I felt like I was away. I felt like I was on an island away from civilization. And I, I didn't feel like I was a part of it, uh, of that anymore. I thought... I'm just not, I'm, I'm not a part of life anymore. I'm, I'm just like, not like, it's not a relevancy thing. It's not about that to me. It was just, I, I couldn't have, uh, be a part of the fun that every, the human race was having. I was not 
in the human race anymore. So it was really weird, really strange. So yeah, I felt really bad for, for him on having to deal with that. I, I watched a lot of it, but it was heartbreaking for me to see him like that. I felt so bad. I, so do you know what they say? Um, Oh God, like there's that great uh, director, uh, John Milius, um, who directed Conan and all that. He's got yeah. now that guy, yeah. that guy has the greatest voice of a generation and I mean, he was just like a, an admiral, you know, uh, on a set uh, telling people what to do and all that. An incredible speaker, poetic. And then... If anybody doesn't know him, too, the guy, what's the guy's name in the big, Walter in the, the big Lebowski? Yeah. With well, the glasses that John Goodman right. plays? Walter Sobchak. Walter yeah. was kind of kind of based on John Oh, that's Williams. fascinating. Oh, wow. Yeah, to some wow. degree. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and he, he also did Red Dawn. He directed that as well. Um, and all that. Yeah. So he's a really good, great writer, really great speaker. And it was so, I was so horrible. He had a stroke and he lost the ability to speak. I mean, it's like a music, it's like a, a musician, you know, a violinist and they lose, they get cramps in their hands and can't use their hands mm-hmm. to do something that they love. It's, it's, it's horrible when that happens to a person. And um, to a small degree, I felt that at Christmas. And it was like, it was horrible. And I kept saying to my wife, am I going to get better? Am I going to get better? I've actually thought at one point that I would never be well again because it was just going on forever. <laughs> and so uh, it was nice to come back. And it's it's the one thing that keeps me going. I, I Especially what's going on in the world right now, being able to talk to an audience and talk to people about the things that I love. I, I just think it's a lot of fun. And I enjoy the feedback and I... I, I enjoy the process. It makes me feel like a human being. It makes me feel normal. It's a, it's become such a part of my routine for 12 years. I can imagine not doing it, you know, pretty much. Are you taking extra precautions, uh, like more so than most people, just because of your current condition? I mean, you said you're not even better yet. Like, where are you at with, with your recovery from this sickness, let alone the prospect of getting COVID-19? Um, I think this is going to sound even stranger. But I, I don't think it's anything to do with my lungs. It may, and I'm not saying, I, I don't know what the answer is, but it may be to do with my heart because I was getting sent for all these cardiology tests. Uh, because every time I'm on an angle, so standing up, I'm great. On an angle, if I bend over to pick something up, I'm out of breath. Like it's just weird. And I'm somebody you could, yeah, do flips. I honestly swear to God, yeah, you know. Um, so I don't think it's to do with that. I, I don't know what it is, but I know it's getting better, but it's just very, very slow. Um, the one person I'm really trying to look after is my wife because she's seven months pregnant. So when I go off to get food right now, man, it's a procedure and it's stressful and I'm sweating and I'm going out the door into the apocalypse and um, quite literally ready to take anybody out who gets in my way, you know, pretty, you know, to, to defend, you know, to, to bring food substance back to my, uh, my life pod for my, my life mate, you know, and our, and our future, our future, our future <laughs> uh, small child, uh, who's going to be born, born into this pod. I, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel that when I'm off into the, to the wastelands out there, it's, it's a very strange time. And do you know, the thing is, is I gotten so sick about talking about being sick. I'm always talking to my wife about it's so annoying mm-hmm. that it's like, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I can just walk around. I can talk about video games. I can play video games the same as what I did. So I'm very, very thankful where I'm at right now. So that's, that's a good thing type of thing. 
we're, we're thankful that you to have you because we were supposed to have you in oh, December right. before you got sick. You were supposed to come on the I show, and, and then and then and then you got nailed with that. So um, it's a huge relief to have you back and you making <laughs> videos again. And and let let me tell you before we uh, again before we get into questions. There are you are like the only person from back then whose videos I still watch. And and I think that's just kind of like a testament to your personality and maybe the positivity and the 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 passion and how genuine you are with your right. stuff, but there there are a lot of people from that era who do still make videos and I I don't I just stopped watching them a long time ago. It's, it's, it, it's, like, but not thank yours. Thank you for that. I still like that. You know, I really genuinely try to keep the enthusiasm and I, I don't have to fake it because it's there. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to make up why I like a video game, like in a new game stuff episode. I bought that game because it's a story. And if you ever watch any of my new game stuff episodes, I, everything there has a reason and a rhyme. I shot one yesterday and I ended and I always feel so good when I finish it. And I don't know why I feel like I'm really showing the world that, yeah, the reason why I like this is this. That's all I'm really doing. It's like, it's not a really, mm-hmm. it's not really a magic trick where I think on YouTube, a lot of people are doing YouTube for many reasons, right? Some people come in and they're like, I want to be famous. That that's, that's a goal. That's just so weird to me, you know, or I want to make money. It's like, okay, I guess that's a, a goal. Yeah. I, it just didn't seem like I kind of came in and you came in at the right time. We came in at the right time because we were drawn to this new platform because it gave us a voice to say something. And uh, we're still saying it now. So uh, I'm very, very thankful. I'm very thankful for YouTube. I know a lot of people bitch about YouTube and granted there's some reasons why, but what a free service to upload videos to free. I don't have to pay every month. It's pretty incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And it go and they. Sh- Kevin was talking about going to that public access class yeah. to maybe get a show on TV. And I think about it with writing when you were talking about uh, the ability to put all of these things online and talk to people. You know, I think before stuff like blogs and all of that, if you were a writer, you were writing something and you were sending out articles. Sometimes, well, magazines mostly still accepted hard yeah. copies like in the late nineties. And then you would wait weeks probably to get rejected. And since you can't send out a bunch of uh, the the same article to a bunch of places, because if five say yes, it's going to be exclusive to one. You can't do that. So you have to, uh, you have to go one by one. And like this blows, this is the crappiest awful process that you can think of. And all of a sudden in a five year span, Everything changed. You could be working on several different projects at once. You could uh, advance one and cut back another one literally on the same day based on feedback. And that was 20 years ago. Now uh, you can express individual little micro thoughts on Twitter. You have access, direct access to so many important people. You can comment on their stuff and they will see it. You can ship something to their uh, DMs if they've got them open. You can email it. Like, this is so radically different that I don't know how how younger people fully can fully understand this. Right. It's shocking. And even with the PS4, this is another thing. Okay, going back to that about what's different. Um most of the games that I've gotten, I've gotten from the PlayStation store and I click a thing and it starts downloading uh, on my TV and it's there in like 20 minutes and I can play that game yeah. where Kevin talks about going to Toys R Us to look at the NES games. I remember going to KB Toys, uh, which 
you know, how often would I get there? It might be a couple weeks before I'm going to go. And I would really look forward to that chance just to look at the wall of video games. And now if I like something for $10 or $20, which in real dollars is way less than games cost in the Nintendo era, um, I, I click a thing and I can play it in 15 minutes. This is crazy. This is nuts. And it's absolutely amazing. And when I see you guys on YouTube uh, and and think about uh, what Kevin talked about when he was, you know, 15 years ago before it, when I would have these conversations uh, and you knew how slow this was for the guy, how hard this was for him. Uh, and now it's kind of push button easy. It's it's crazy. It's so cool yeah. to see. And it's yeah, it's, it's funny that you just press a button, pre-order, the game will automatically download for you when it's out. You wake <laughs> yeah. up in the morning and you're like, oh, yeah. you got your coffee, just turn on the TV. My game is there. It's there. Didn't have to yep. drive down to to uh, Walmart and, you know, fight past the old, the, old, the old ladies to get to it and all that. It's Babbage's. Babbage's yeah. and or, or, or to, <laughs> electronics. Or to hear those words, or to hear those words, <laughs> did you pre-order it? You don't have to worry about that no more. No more. Yeah, for sure. We live in an amazing time. Johnny, I have one more story. Sorry, sorry. I have one more story for you to go back to the beginning of our conversation about being nerds, okay? I pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII from KB Toys, the same KB Toys that Matt's talking about because we grew up together. And when you did that, you got a T-shirt. You got a Final Fantasy VII T-shirt. I never wore it to school because I didn't want to get made fun of. That's wow. a true. That is one hundred percent true. I never wore that Final <laughs> Fantasy VII shirt ever. I wore them proudly because I knew I was gonna get I was gonna get picked on. <laughs> I was twenty three. Do you still uh, have the shirt? He still yeah. has. And guess yes. what? I have two yeah. of them because I would go to I go to a store pre order <laughs> back then. You got the shirt right away. I think that's I think that's what that's how it works. You you pay ten dollars and you got a shirt. So I was like, I'm getting a ten dollar shirt. And let me tell you, that shirt has so many holes in it. So I because you didn't get Final <laughs> Fantasy shirts back then. They didn't have those on the thing. So I, I wore it proudly. No. I remember the logo on the side. I felt so cool. So so cool. And I felt like a I felt like a cool guy in the cloud in the back. Oh my god, that's awesome. So good. So good. Uh, I just needed to tell you that. Um, so we definitely have some questions that we want to hit real quick from our community. To sure. You. We do. We do. Trev's dead, who uh, he streams on Twitch. Uh, he, he hasn't uh, done a bunch of gaming streams yeah. lately. Uh, he's done like introspective streams. He's got the best voice ever, nice. by the way. Uh, it, like it's just the, the smoothest, most amazing voice. Um, he asks, though, what do you do to make video game content stand out? in the age of Let's Plays and streams and reviewers and just the general saturation of video content. Wow, what, how, video how to stand content. out from everybody else? I, yeah. you, Is it oh, even possible? I, you know, me, me and Kevin could easily say, I know with Kevin, I know this 100%, if I went to him today and said, I want to do a new video game show that's never been done, he could have 10 answers how to do it. And I would have the same. Because we, we, we have the same kind of energy. We can create and keep on creating i could come up with a thousand different shows um like so like for example like have a sidekick have something funny is your show going to be comedy uh is your show going to be serious like, think about what you want to say and, and are you going to enjoy saying it uh, and can you keep on saying it can you keep on producing 
uh, that kind of content. There's, there's so many factors, but you need to know what kind of show. Okay, it's a show. It's talking about video games. What's your location? Is your location a forest? Do you just go walking in a forest and you have a weird creature that attacks you every time? I don't know. There's so many possibilities. Life is amazing <laughs> that way. There's so many ways to do things. I um, you know, I work with Victor Lucas once in a while, and we're filming in the middle of the streets, talking about movie reviews, and we're doing our, our, our video game reviews in the streets, and people are walking by and heckling us and all that, and it's part of the fun. It's great. Um, but there's so many ways to produce things. It's like, um, yeah, just 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 be imaginative. And think, what can you bring into it? Maybe you know a whole... I'm going back to the puppet thing again. I don't know why I'm on the puppet thing. But maybe you know an amazing puppeteer. And they, you could do something with that. And they, they, these puppets review video games. I know we've seen content like that, but in that direction. It doesn't have to be a guy sitting at a desk with all his games behind him, like me. It can be completely different and twice as interesting. You know, like definitely. Don't let your imagination stop you. I think that's probably it. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Well, Boromir wants to know something that, that frankly, I want to know too, which is, are you wearing pants at the moment? Um, I am, but I'm wearing sweatpants. <laughs> like all of America. Is that, is that a distinctly different thing or is that a class of pant? Uh, it is. It, so, so, do, you, do you not know sweatpants? No, 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 I do. But I'm just saying like categorically, if we're going to categorize this, is somebody who wears sweatpants wearing a type of pants or are they just wearing sweatpants? I think they're wearing, they're wearing sweatpants. <laughs> Or, or as we, me and my wife call them happy pants. You know, like, hey, put your happy pants on. And, so the answer is yeah. no. Are you, the answer is no. You're not wearing pants, but yes, you are wearing yes, sweatpants. Yes, and usually, if it wasn't a pandemic, I'd be wearing jeans. All right, when I sit fair. here to do the show, I, I have so, to I have to wear jeans usually. But, not, you know, that's all out the window now. <laughs> Why is that? There Why are no rules anymore. Wear jeans? When I'm working on the show or working on in uh, here in general, I always wear jeans for the day. I, I just, it makes me feel, I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm active and doing things in the, I'm part of the world and I'm not just part of the sweatpant community. Because <laughs> when I wear sweatpants, I get a little bit lazier. I'm like, ah, I think I'll sit on the couch and, oh, this video, you know, this video game looks interesting. Or, oh, oh I'm just going to sit and binge watch this show for like 40 hours. You know, so I try to stay away from the sweatpants as much as I can. It's, it's bad for my health. Yeah, but that's... Dude, that's a really interesting thing that I hadn't thought about is it is, is. kind of getting dressed for work <laughs> even though you work from home, yeah. right? I mean, that's it's that's a real thing and if it's psychologically helpful to you to have kind of like more focus and energy if you're dressed like you're going somewhere even though you're not, then mm. I think that's it, interesting. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, I actually don't own a pair of sweatpants. I just realized as I've been what? thinking about it as you've talked about it and I do not at this time what are you wearing? Sweatpants. I need to get one. I right now I have shorts on, but most of the time I wear like heavy kind of Carhartt right. pants. Uh, that's just that's, what I, this, I wear all day because my house is. That really makes cold. sense. I, I also in summertime love shorts. It's shorts all summer. That's all all mm -hmm. there is to that. Yeah, it's actually getting to the weather. Where I'm like, shorts are coming. They're coming because we're in Vancouver here. It's a little bit colder. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, your, your weather's yeah. pretty cold though right now, isn't it? Dude, yes. it, I yeah. woke up to snow. Snowing right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> snowing now. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. That's ridiculous. So, uh, Baseweight uh, has a question about a tier list that Kevin and I recently did on Smash characters. And the champion of that tier list was Isabel. 
And Baseweight wants to know how you feel about Isabel winning that that tier list. Um, being like the top character, like what? Yeah, Kevin. What, what was, the, was the, the? How would you describe the process for how we rank them? Well, um, I should preface this by saying uh, Matt didn't know probably seventy five percent of the characters okay. at all. I if was not more. Yeah, I, I I was unfamiliar with a lot of them as well because I don't play Smash. I don't. I just don't like fighting games the way that you don't like you know playing the calls calls of duties right. of the world. Um, fighting games are like just not my thing. I don't find them interesting. So I don't play Smash. So there were a lot of characters I didn't know, and I didn't know how any of them are in Smash. Right. So um, we mostly were ranking them by kind of like their status. How legendary they are! They are, mm-hmm. uh, you know. For instance, the the S tier was all the usual crew of like Mario, sure. Link, Zelda, like that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's mostly how we were ranking them. So uh, I would say that Isabel became the champ based on popularity. Like it was m- really more of a popularity contest than like a gameplay thing. But I was surprised personally at how overwhelmingly beloved. Isabel is over everybody yeah. else. Whoa. Everybody loves Isabel. I guess uh, if I was a fourteen-year-old girl, I'd probably feel that way too. No, I'm joking. I uh, my my pick <laughs> my, my pick would be uh, it's got to be like Terry Bogard, very underappreciated character. And when they brought him into Smash, I was over the moon. So Terry Bogard over Isabel. Get real. Get real. Yeah, and then people are going to lose it. This is some guys on his keyboard right now losing his mind listening to that. That's so funny. <laughs> no, Isabel. <laughs> I mean, dude, what percentage of people that have played Smash do you think have played Fatal Fury? I know, I know. It's so w- weird when they brought Tiny. Tiny when they brought him in. I was like, I I can't even believe this. I was really happy for that because the Neo Geo was finally recognized by the mass world. Because Smash is that big. So when you put Terry Bogard in, people were coming into my video going, uh, videos, because I dress up as Terry Bogard, right? At times. And they're like, they're like, oh my God, is that, so that's who Terry Bogard is. They, they finally were starting to understand what that is. They even said by putting Dragon Quest characters in Smash makes them more universally appealing. They sell more Dragon Quest games in general because of their presence in Smash. So Terry Bogard is known by the world now, and is definitely more beloved uh, by me than uh, Isabel. Screw her. <laughs> well, this is the penultimate question. It's also from Baseweight. Uh, he's he's a music guy. He he makes some really incredible music, and he says, uh, or he asks, as someone who is looking into going into the game industry as a producer, specifically with sound, what's something that you'd like to see change? Uh, in the gaming industry. To do with sound? Sure, or generally. Um, geez, you know, the, the thing is, is we're in such a healthy time with music and sound. And I mean, mm-hmm. I play so many video games and some have these big orchestra, you know, big huge orchestras and others have this beautiful techno beats and all that. I think everybody's bringing their own uh, flavor and talents uh, to video games. So this guy... Uh, He's already got his talent within him. He's going to bring it. Whatever he has, that's that's the answer. That's the answer right there. Uh, what is, is his creative things that are in him that he wants to give to the industry type of thing? I mean, that's what's interesting because everybody has something to bring. Uh, you know, if you think you do have it or not, mm-hmm. you know, like some people are sitting on the best video game ideas ever. They just have to say it. They just have to say, you know, that's, I'm going to make a game about this and go and do it. So he's got all the answers already. 
for sure. Like, I mean, it's all been done. Music, sound effects, it's all been done. Yeah. But it's his unique talent that's really going to speak out beyond anything else, for sure. And you even collect the vinyls, right? Video game soundtrack vinyls. I know that you've talked about it a bunch in your new game stuff. I am, I am crazy for it. I love it. I mean, you know what it is? For me, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, what I call, I, I don't have many moments, but I have what I call like a, oh, I, I don't name it. I'm naming it right now for the podcast. Like a John moment where with whatever's going on in the world, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I, I have a small moment here. I put on a record and I grab my coffee and I sit there and I just lose myself in the music. And I'm not looking at a T, I'm not looking at my computer screen. I'm just kind of looking out the window or I'm looking at the floor or whatever. And I just kind of go into this beautiful place where it's me and that music. And uh, it's not even anything to do with vinyl versus, uh, you know, MP3 versus a CD or anything like that. It's just, it's because I think I'm away from the screens. And it's like, I'm not, it's like, because I'm not on a screen. I'm always on a screen. You you guys are always on screens, right? All, we always yeah, are. Yeah. It's actually kind of scary how much we're always on screens. I'm very conscious of that. I try to have a moment where I'm away at times to get away from that. So uh, that's why I like vinyl. I think it's, I just, I love it. It's a big, you know, beautiful, you know, artwork on there and uh, the slip cases. It feels like you own something again. And I'm, I'm all for, from that point of view uh, of the eighties, you know, just like owning a record is kind of neat. It's kind of neat. So the last question comes from Matthew Tabor of the create unknown podcast. As a Canadian, who is your favorite Degrassi character? Oh, My God, this is so crazy, dude. This is so fucking crazy. Okay, I would love to bring them in, but I'm not going to cut the podcast to, to run out and get them. I bought, this is this is not in January, both boxes of Degrassi, the originals. And me and my wife okay. watched 48 episodes during January because I was so sick. 48 episodes of that. She'd never seen it. And she, we got, we, oh, yeah, so we got what? super addicted. Oh my God. And we started getting angry <laughs> and talking to the screen. It was nuts. It was like, it was so, <laughs> so wild. Like, oh my God. Like, ah, uh, I won't even tell you because it won't be appropriate of some of the things that we were talking about while we were, while we were watching this and some of the death wishes we wanted for some characters because like some of them are so <laughs> horrible. In this show, and the show was... Anyway, sorry. You got yeah. me going with the... Who would I pick as my favorite character? <laughs> oh, my... Oh, yeah. my God. Is it, this is like... This is wonderful. This is so wonderful because there's so <laughs> many choices. Oh, my God. It's definitely not Lucy. I don't like that Lucy, you know? Especially, she, she was always shoplifting and, yeah, stealing her parents' alcohol. See, I, this is how fresh the show is for me. Um... <laughs> who, who would I pick? Definitely not Joey. He's so dumb and creepy at times. I mean, when he when he was hitting on Liz, like she, she came over and he's like trying to have sex with her. I'm like, dude, it's so inappropriate. He was so weird. Um, oh my god. So the best thing here is that I had no idea that you'd ever even watch this show. I mean, most people, most people in Canada, especially of a certain age who are around when the original yeah, yeah, yeah. around instead of the next generation, uh, you know, pretty much everybody's seen it, but I had no idea that you'd really, really oh, yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I just threw this out there because I, I, I always liked Degrassi. Uh, I, I thought it was a kind of, well, there's no show like it or there wasn't any show like it in the U S 
that that touched on that type of behavior. Like those kids go through some they serious. They go through hell, man. They go through pure hell into, every day. Yeah, it's hell. Yeah. Did, did you know the end of Degrassi, the first season, the <laughs> fucking school burns down. I mean, it's insane. It's <laughs> nothing can ever go right. Everybody's finally having a good night. The school's on fire. So yeah, you're right. It's one of those shows that every day, every episode, it's dealing with a topic, and it's so raw that it's almost it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. But it, that's its appeal, right? Yeah. yeah. That that. Show. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's like it's like oh, so this seventh grader is pregnant now what do we do like it's crazy the the predicaments there especially for the time when that show came out but you've got it you've got to have you've got to commit you have to commit uh to to a favor on this who's who's the champion of your degrassi tier list oh my god oh no i'm not gonna pick wheels like snake no no oh my god well, Snake had the staying power and, you know, back uh, being the principal. I know. I trust me. I, I know. Or I, 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 I yeah. even know that, Ke- do you know, Kevin Smith was a big fan uh, of it back in the day. And he said right. when he first made his real money, he went and spent $8,000 to buy the original tapes because they were, I guess, an educational item. They, the schools had to pay a lot of money for it. And he, so he, to get them, he had to pay this outrageous amount of money. This is before the DVDs. And this is back in the 90s he got them. And he was so thrilled to get them. Oh God! No, I, 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 I who, uh, uh, Caitlin? She's yeah. This <laughs> is so funny to watch. Like people can't see your face, but he is seriously toiling, like like seriously toiling over making a decision on this. I don't know anything okay. about this show. I'll just okay, put hey, that out can, there. Can Nothing, you guys zero. just talk for one sec? I'm getting the box sets. Okay. <laughs> but, well then Matt you could we can take this time where you can actually explain what this show is because I don't know it I've heard of it but so, I don't know anything about it Drake was on it that's there, all I know yeah he was on the second iteration the new generation I think or the next class I forget which is which but there have been three types and it's kind of uh, a 90210 type uh, show where it follows the lives of kids in at the Degrassi community school but the neat thing is that at least in the second series, they had kind of a group that was middle school and then a group, Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High, yep. It follows them up through. And so you have these plot lines where the older kids are usually involved in a problem that's far more serious. And the little, the smaller kids have like more social problems that you'd think of in like grade seven and eight. But there's just this constant like pain that goes through the plots and the subplots and it's a this spider web where everybody's connected through uh, brothers and sisters and who's dating who and uh, what the parents are doing it's really really wild in terms of drama for like under 18s and drake was yeah drake got his start by uh, being jimmy on on that series and Jimmy's character, he was a star basketball player, I think it was, and uh, a school shooting, which, of course, you've got to put that in there. Um, Jimmy gets shot and he's in a wheelchair, you know, so that like they're not light problems. You know, it's not like, ooh, uh, you know, Sally cheated on the algebra exam. No, no, it's generally really heavy yeah, stuff. Like the, like the teachers are trying to molest the children. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's it, like, I'm laughing at that, but it's, as you watch, you're it's just horrifying. Like horrified yeah, by so what's crazy. happening. 
But there's just nothing like it in the U.S. because it's so much. Uh, not when that was on. I mean, the, the topics are so heavy. It is like, you know, you get uh, teachers and student relationships and stuff. Uh, and it's crazy to think about about this being in one place that's extremely similar to the U.S. and then not being just over the border. So, yeah, when Degrassi got beamed in, I was in college and it was on some one of the cable channels uh, and I, I started watching it. And I'm like, <laughs> this is not for kids. How is this for kids? Because this is almost too adult for me. Hey, put, it, put it this way. The, it was aired in England and they even took it off the airways in England because it was too much for England, for people in and England. That's, that's the place where skins came that's from. crazy. So, yeah. so I watched, I went to the box, it's Degrassi Junior High and then Degrassi High. That's the ones I watched. And then, so, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick uh, the character that I, I dislike the most as my pick. It will be Lucy. I just do not like that Lucy. Not at all. Terrible filmmaker in it as well. She <laughs> she does some uh, music videos within it, and we're not, I'm not a fan of those. <laughs> Damn that Lucy. Yeah. Shoplifter that she was. That's how yeah. No, no favorite though. No, <laughs> no, no, because favorite. Be, you can't, you can't because pick anyone. all of the characters are e are all equally unlikable, and they do that. They do that on purpose. And yeah. they actually, um, when some bad things happen to certain characters, they've led up uh, to make you not like that character. So when it happens to them, it's not as much of a blow. Did you know that? That's the writing that they did back then. So like, there's there's this one episode <laughs> where this girl I think it's Melanie is it, is it Melanie no it's a the blonde girl I forget her name off the top of my head right now she's going out with this abusive boyfriend who's beating her up all the time and it's really brutal you, you can't believe it when you watch this episode and uh, so they wrote her uh, as being a horrible person through the whole show so because they, they knew they were going to get to this so it would lessen the blow so you wouldn't be like oh you know you'd be like oh kind of I can't understand that I, that's the writing that's the, I didn't say this is right I'm saying they wrote it to be that way it's weird it's a weird show and they do have several instances in all of the series around Degrassi where they put you in a position to have sympathy very real sympathy for somebody who yeah. sucks somebody who has done awful, horrible things or who is generally unlikable, like that will happen. This person who's just been awful the whole time is then in a domestic abuse thing. And of course, of course, they're the victim on that, you know, and you feel bad for them. And it makes it very confusing uh, because you've you just come in knowing that you hate this person. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I have empathy for this irredeemable yeah. person. And they do that kind of thing over and over in Degrassi. So it's an extremely complex complicated and it's show. 30 years old and we're still talking about it unreal yeah unreal. <laughs> i i love that that's what we ended on we, we spent this whole time <laughs> talking about like the nuances of youtube gaming culture creative culture uh ripping on isabel okay for being something that only 14 year old girls <laughs> like but then the ultimate like actual discussion ends up being about degrassi so that's pretty perfect oh my me. god i i, I a show that 14-year-old girls kidding. love. I was kidding. I was kidding. Meanwhile, all these 14-year-old girls are at my door with pitchforks trying to kill me. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. But, but that's okay. You can calm them down with Degrassi Yeah, talk. I was answer the door just as Terry Bogart saying, hit the goddamn road, kids. Get out of here. Get out of here. This ain't happening. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, thank you so much for taking the time and um, sharing your your limited lung capacity uh, breath with us. Um, I know that 
<laughs> it's been a struggle. We really hope that you get better soon. But hey, you're back to making videos. I hope everybody goes and check checks out Happy Console Gamer. You, you really should. Uh, it's it's the most to me the most like genuine game reactions that, that that I found. There's no pomp and circumstance, and yeah, getting angry like fake in a <laughs> fake way over yeah. stuff, and yeah, all that stuff. There's none of that. It's all stripped back, and it's just. Pure Johnny. I, I really want to thank you for having me on today. I've always wanted to come on and talk to you guys for sure. So thank you for the opportunity. All right, go go check them out. Happy console gamer. See you, Space Cowboys. Isabel still, Isabel still sucks. Right. We'd like to thank everybody who we talk to every day in the Discord, and especially the patrons who make this show happen. Thanks to our editor, Marcus Allen, and to associate producers Jeff Davis, Isaac Teal, Trev's Dead, James Gallagher, Baseweight, Andrew Stimson, Keaton Sample, Jesse Robertson, Boromir, Monsieur Chinchilla, Sean Malone, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E, Menard, Monahim Yogurt 96, Fraken, and our newest addition, Mikhail. Thank you for signing up, Mikhail. We love it. Also, thanks to baby wrangling super producer Ben Webster. Thanks as well to Paula Lieber and the stunningly gorgeous Mo Lewitt, and to our very generous sponsor of every episode, Eagle Brand Sardines. The Create Unknown is a production of Unknown Media. Okay, bye.